Oh, this is so exciting. Okay. So we are here with my brother and sister-in-law, Rob and Sheena, and all four of us are part of the podcast today. It's very exciting. And we are going to do a marriage round table. It's February. It's Valentine's month. So I thought this would be a fun little deviation. Welcome to the Pilgrim Feet Podcast, an audio companion to the Our Pilgrim Feet blog that helps you achieve self-sufficiency and your own brand of freedom. I'm your host, Katie Sutton-Smith, and I'm so thankful you decided to join me today. So we've got, what do I have here now? 14 little questions, and we're going to just kind of talk through them all. So... Do you guys know many happily married couples? Yeah, I mean, just a, a little bit about ourselves, I guess, first. I mean, Oh, yeah, that's a good we've idea. Been, <laughs> we've been married 10 years, and uh, we live in Tacoma, Washington, and it's a very cool place. We like it a lot. Sheena and I met, actually, at my job. Our job. At her job, I guess, wouldn't you say, honey? It was kind of a mutual yeah. job. Definitely. meeting <laughs> and um anyways we have one beautiful son who's just a little bit over a year old and we're really he happy to be here today in your podcast thank you yeah and in terms of happily married couples i mean we know a few but there we have we have one really our best friends are like our role models in terms of happy happy marriages so that's who we look up to a lot i'd say how would you guys say they stay happy? Well, with this particular couple, they're both, I mean, it's a personality thing, I think, partly. They're both pretty chill, and so they don't often uh, make mountains out of molehills, right? I mean, they, they really pick their battles, and not that they're permissive by any means, but they, they let each other be themselves and don't uh, pick apart the nitty-gritty, you know? Um, yeah. But, I mean, in, in addition to that, uh, personality types aside, um, they really just have a commitment to, to family and to each other and to the being being together after this life and, and wanting that to be a real thing. Yeah, I mean, for, our, for both them and us, I mean, our faith is a huge part of our lives. Mm -hmm. And our faith centers our marriage, and I know it centers their marriage. And, you know, we have a strong belief system and eternal nature of marriage and what it can be and that we can be together forever and when you have that perspective all the time it really i think helps you focus on just not making the big things bigger than they are and not making the small things big things so how do you guys stay happy because 10 years it's definitely an achievement in today's day and age Honey, you want to take that first? Cause, sure. I mean, more than just eating pizza and nachos. <laughs> yeah. No, I think uh, we let each other have our... Like our hobby space, I guess you could say. You know, I mean... I'm a real big project person, so I'm always working on something. Kind of a habitual projector. And Rob lets me have that as my my me thing and and he's you know he's a gamer and he likes being with his friends online and stuff and the kind of, i let him have his you know him time his game time and 
and not that that's everything in a marriage but I think it's really important to let each other have activities and time that aren't with each other right I mean because mm-hmm. we're still individuals we're still people and yes in a marriage you you eventually and slowly blend together but I, I don't think you should ever be 100% the other person I think it should be like a 90-10 kind of thing you should still have 10% of yourself as an individual and that you can you know have your own interests and explore things as individuals separate from being a couple okay in addition to that I mean we there's a strong focus on building each other up and at various points in our marriage we've had personal goals that we've wanted to achieve um, whether that's going Sheena went back to school to get her master's degree in teaching and you know we support each other in those things there's not animosity there's a general level of you know we want to help each other achieve the best that you know we can achieve for our family and for each other Um, and when you want to support each other and when you want to build each other up and not tear each other down you know, that makes a big difference in terms of long-term happiness. Um, and then really, it's just that focus on, like Sheena say, was saying, don't, you don't have to make, everything's not a battle. Everything's not like a competition. We're all here to help each other become the best versions of ourselves that we can be. And that's really what marriage is about have to support each other and strengthen each other and not focus on all the little things that we do wrong all the time. I agree. I'm going to actually shake up the questions a little bit because I think this one will work a little bit better here. Do you two know your love languages? And if so, how does your partner meet the needs of your love language? Yeah, I mean, I'll take this one first because... You know, it's funny you bring up love languages. Sheena's mom is the biggest proponent of the love language book that I've ever seen. I remember when we were dating, she would talk about it a lot. And so I, you know, we're both, I'm a words of affirmation person. Um, and so for me, just knowing that I have my wife's support and that she trusts me and just hearing that she's building me up is what I live for every day. I mean, it's life can be hard a lot and so for whatever reason that's just the way that I feel her love for me more than anything else I'm definitely more of like a, I forget the wording of the love language but uh, like the time or, time or actions right so um, right there's quality time and acts of service okay so maybe I'm kind of both of those like um, I really appreciate that like Rob does the dishes and, or you know on, on Saturdays he'll take Cooper our son and and give me time to like today I went and visit a friend or I, I can work on my projects or whatever and by putting in that time it's an act of service for me like he he does those things around the house or for me that just let me know that he's aware of me and that he you know see sees my what my needs are and does his best to meet them okay next question do you two believe in soulmates I do not Rob and I were talking about this earlier today I you know, there's different levels of attraction to people, you know, whether like you have a physical attraction or whether you have a lot in common, like you could be attracted to someone, but I think, you know, someone once said you could take any two willing people and put them together and they can have a happy marriage. I don't really think that extreme, but I do think that there is within reason people can have happy marriages without having that like soulmate attraction, right? Like, um, 
I think it relies a lot on your willingness to do those things we've just talked about to you know serve and be aware of your spouse and love your spouse and but to have that soulmate thing I think that really is a limiting kind of concept that a lot of the world is driven by which leads a lot of people to be unhappy yeah I mean I'd agree for the most part I think you know there's people for sure that you're gonna be really attached to throughout life because you share the similar hobbies and similar interests and you seem to be perfectly aligned in so many different ways but that's not necessarily a soulmate as much as it is like just psychologically somebody who you have similar interests to or maybe a lot of similar interests to and there's a lot of money in the world that's put into making us feel like we need to have a fairy tale like I don't know, like moment in our lives when we meet the one and mm -hmm. then if you don't meet the one at that point in your life, you feel like you've missed out on this, this moment. And that's just, I think more a construct of society that we've built up. I think like Sheena was saying, there's many people we could be compatible with if our focus is on a loving, happy marriage and a strong, happy family. I agree. I think too many people are waiting for a cataclysmic moment where there's peals of thunder and shafts of light that come down and shine on someone and then they don't get that and they move past so many opportunities for happiness because they're still waiting for something earth shattering. Absolutely. No, I agree 100%. Yeah, I don't know. When I first held Rob's hand, that was pretty zingy. <laughs> um, what was the first thing that popped into your heads when you saw each other? The first thing that popped through my head was... Wow, she's really attractive. That's a good-looking lady. What about you, Sheena? I don't have that good of an answer. I mean... I'm not attractive <laughs> like she is, so that's obviously not going to be going through her. I will say it took me a little longer to be attracted to him than he to me, but not because he's not attractive, just because I wasn't... I, that wasn't even on my radar. So when I first saw him, he was delivering newspapers to the hotel I was working at. And he just came in and out with his headphones. So my first my first thought was probably, hey, take your headphones out and talk to me. And uh, as Rob pointed out, that's, that's still my thought every day. Hey, take your headphones out and talk to me. Is it important to get along with your in-laws? Why or why not? And bear in mind, mom and dad do listen to the <laughs> podcast. And I think your parents also listen to the podcast, Gina. So. I feel like this is a weighted question. And <laughs> maybe I should ask this, this question. No. <laughs> I think a common theme you'll see here from me just in life is the importance of families. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's a resounding yes, because I mean, families are, are precious and uh, they can be gone as quickly as they arrive. And it's just beyond important, I think, to have strong relations and it's something that you can control. And, um, in a lot of ways just yeah. like in marriage you know making uh, big big things or small things you know oftentimes it's up to you um not in every way obviously but in a lot of ways i think there i mean just like in any relationship in life there are definitely some toxic relationships that are not uh, good to maintain like like rob was saying family is so important and there's enough stress in life without having 
manufactured drama or or emphasizing drama or you know holding grudges because you know whatever or they you know I don't know I don't know I'm, I'm super fortunate that I I really like my in-laws uh, that's a true statement not just saying it because I'm on your podcast <laughs> I can love you um, but uh, and and Rob gets along well with my um, family too and actually our both our sets of parents get along with each other too as so we we have a very yes, I think very unusual uh, situation that not a lot of people have um, and so I'm so grateful for that but uh, I, I do think there's a lot that people can do to make those relationships less stereotypical of like the in-law relationships and I don't know if 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 everyone's willing to put in that effort sometimes though but I think it's, I, I do think it's very important I think we've actually been all of us have been really lucky that Rob married you. <laughs> um, because we do actually, I think everybody kind of gets along with your parents and is enjoys having them around. And it is such a stark contrast because it, you're right. It does take everybody being willing to work on their relationships. Well, there's the whole thing about not trying to paint everything with one brush, which, you know, if you've got good in-laws, then of course you want to be on good relationships with them. If you have, I mean, there are people out there who get married and they find out that their in-laws are absolutely hellacious and the person that they're marrying is the one-off. And in that situation, it's not so much, you know, should you get along with your in-laws? It might be a situation there to just define what family is to you. Um, Especially here in the Pacific Northwest, there's a big thing about, you know, what is your tribe? Um, Figuring out what you consider to be family and making that a priority rather than just feeling like you're obligated to make things work with people who don't have that same sense of uh, wanting to bridge bridge any kind of gaps. Yeah, well, and I think you can take that a step further than just in-laws. I mean, you can look at the entire person's family. Mm -hmm. That's where I think everyone's families are so unique and interesting, and there's such a wide spectrum of where people are at and where people come from. And you just have to really focus in on what's important and you should never put yourself like you guys were saying in a situation where you're and just in life in general it's too precious to have a toxic relationship that exists all the time but i've also seen countless situations in my own family environments where growing up people break stuff off for very trivial things Mm -hmm. and allow tiny tiny resentments to last years and small misunderstandings take away from years and years and years of a potential strong relationship from existing it's definitely a balance like sheena said toxic relationships you want to avoid those it's just sad when they're in your family okay what do you guys see as strengths and weaknesses in your marriage i mean it kind of goes back to we we broached uh, a couple questions ago um i think rob and i are pretty good about keeping small things small doesn't mean that there aren't things that either of us would want to bring up uh, all the time right because that's that's just life and human nature and there are things that shouldn't that should need to be brought up and and need to change but when is it the right time to bring it up or is it the right thing to bring that particular thing up you know i think he and i are pretty good at, at kind of balancing that and like evaluating it as we go not perfect at it you know we uh, yeah, uh, but uh, you know, just keeping small things small is pretty much 
Yeah, I'd say that's a strength for sure. You don't see us fighting over and arguing over how the towels get folded or other things that can cause stress and are silly. But, you know, in that same token, one of the weaknesses, I think, is when you are good at that, you tend to struggle or could potentially struggle with giving things their their proper weight at times and you tend to potentially absorb things that you shouldn't absorb and not talk about things that you should talk about because you're worried about you know bothering somebody offending somebody or making someone upset so you know that's communication something we're always working on and something that i feel like we could be better at <laughs> it's actually kind of funny that he mentions that because tonight when we we're trying to get onto this podcast uh, we both apparently had very different expectations in our head of what it was going to look like to doing this. And so he, he he went to go get on his computer to do the podcast. And I was like, what? We can't do the marriage interview in separate rooms. Like, I don't want to, I want to be with, like, anyway, so it, it was just <laughs> not a big deal. But we're like, oh, I guess we should probably have talked about this ahead of time. Just, you know, know what we were going to be doing or where we were going to be doing it or whatever. It's just too important. Okay, let's see here. Describe how you as a couple arrive at decisions and how you handle conflict. One thing about our family is we come from a very strong faith-based just lifestyle. And so we both, especially on big decisions, I mean, we generally take time to, we don't feel pressure to decide things right then. And I know she, there's some marriage advice that she you know just can't stand related to that but we really feel like there's i mean if there's a big enough decision even small decisions there's not you can take some time to think about it and for us mm -hmm. that means praying and going to our heavenly father and just asking for advice and wisdom and guidance and oftentimes that means that we can come to a conclusion together on well this is the course we want to take when we moved up to tacoma we had the opportunity to move up here from where we used to live in Vancouver and that was a big decision and we felt like in our lives that we wanted to take an adventure and move forward with that and we never got any promptings not to so we did mm -hmm. but there's been other situations and times where you feel like you're doing something that's right and you get told no or now's not the right time and mm -hmm. we've had to step back from things at times because of that as well and in terms of, you know, conflicts, I'll let Sheena handle that one because she, uh, I believe, has some disagreements with certain advice that's out there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, no, um, so I, I, I'm a grumpy person at night, <laughs> and I'm a grumpy person when I don't eat. <laughs> Other than that, I think I'm pretty good. But um, no, I, uh, I, I, this is this might be jumping to another question too, but to kind of tie that in. So Go uh, one it. of the pieces of advice that Rob is referring to that I do not agree with is, you know, the never let the sun go down on your anger kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and while yes, I think it's important to not unnecessarily postpone problem resolution. If, if you're like me and nighttime is not a good time to problem solve, then, um, you know, we try to, we try to, not that you can avoid having arguments at night, because because I'm grumpy, that's sometimes when our arguments happen. <laughs> but um, mm -hmm. for us, trying to do big problem solving at night is, is not um, it's not successful, you know. So it, we we get some sleep and then 
you find a time the next day or whatever where we can come together with level heads and an open heart be more be considerate of each other in that in those spaces back to the um how do we arrive at decisions kind of kind of thing i i think too for me when we when we're thinking about decisions or, or what it what not or things that we need to do or place you know maybe something we're gonna buy or whatever you know like rob said moving up to tacoma it's not like i take turns in my head about decisions but i do think okay the last big decision we came to i was really vying for it and rob was understanding and was willing to go my direction right so i tried to i try to take that into consideration like is this something i can not not cave on but is this something i can compromise on in rob's rob's direction too because he's maybe more passionate about this particular thing than me and is that something i can cave on and if yes then yeah okay i'm fine you know going with what he wants or or, or whatnot or maybe no I, I, maybe it's maybe you know maybe i really don't want to buy that new tv <laughs> or you know or whatever no i'm gonna put my foot down no that's not what, we're, what we're, our decision is going to be like like for instance like rob mentioned i went back to school and i know that was not exactly his like idea of a good time right me going back to school for 18 months and being stressed and a, a wreck half the time and you know but he was there and supportive and totally willing to put in the time and effort to help me be successful and when it came time to move to Tacoma I, I can't say I was particularly like thrilled about the idea of moving but I wasn't like opposed to it so I was you know I kind of I, I thought well is this a deal breaker no it's not a deal breaker and, I, and yeah it would be fun to go on an adventure with, with Rob up to Tacoma so yeah like you know I'm willing to let my if I had a strong preference which I did particularly if you know let my preference go in favor of his his opportunities this time since he gave me that opportunity with my schooling you know if that makes sense you know what i mean mm -hmm. that makes perfect sense i know for us before we got married because of the home situation that he came from when we got married he became the head of the household and that meant decisions were his and i would always tell him what i thought and he was always going to hear from me what I thought um, to varying degrees. But ultimately, he was the decision maker because he was the head of the household. And once he made a decision, even if I disagreed with it, my assumption was going to be he listened to what I said. He bore it in mind and he still made the decision he thought was best for our family. And so regardless of whether I agreed with it or not, I would then be the one to go to bat and defend it up one side and down the other with anybody who took issue. And I know early on we had to make a conflict resolution plan <laughs> because with my bipolar disorder, sometimes I can't really rely on how I'm feeling in the moment. So I tend to be, I like like you said, one of the biggest piece of it, pieces of advice new couples get is that whole don't let the sunset on your anger thing. But again, not everybody can talk about it right away, either because they don't converse well at night with each other or in my case, because their emotions are still running too high. They have trouble putting the words together or as is very often the case, something that seems like it's a really big deal right then. If I give it a little bit of time, it really doesn't matter. And so we set up, what is it? It's a 72 hour rule, right? If I get upset about something, I have three days to decide if I need to continue to have a discussion about it or if it's actually unimportant and I can just let it go. 
And if in three days I haven't said, you know what, I'm actually not upset about that thing I got upset about, then he is allowed after three days to say, okay, we're now going to sit, sit down and have a talk about this. I think that's awesome. And I think it takes into account your situation. And that's, you have to take, you can't, this, this is how self-help works. Mm -hmm. And ideas behind those are good. But when you take everything literally and you don't look at it from your situation point of view, you can get into trouble. And I was reminded when Sheena was talking about very early on in our dating life. I remember we were at Walmart once and had a disagreement and she up and left the store. And I remember being like, what? Like, what is going on? Because for me and my upbringing, like, I, I never, like, would thought of anybody doing that i thought i must have done something really wrong or bad or and but that was just her distancing herself from something that she wasn't equipped to handle right then and mm -hmm. that's because of her upbringing and the you know as a child some of the stuff that she saw when her parents would have disagreements or arguments and so she uh you know had conflict avoidance in a lot mm -hmm. of ways and so we both had to learn how to basically like we've talked about come up with a different solution that worked for both of us and you want to compromise and make stuff work with the people you love because you love them yep. and um, you're willing to take those steps to do those things so would you like to add anything sheena i was just taking a step back in time to that disagreement and i, I know exactly what, what it was so it's, it's funny that <laughs> one of the disagreements it was just anyway yeah what did you see in your partner that made you want to marry them? I tend to kind of be a little selfish of a person. Um, and not like on purpose. I just have never really figured out. I'm better now. A lot better at it now. But earlier on as a young adult and as a teenager and stuff, I just had never really figured out how to think about others first before myself. And, and that's, that was a big struggle. In various relationships, whether it's siblings or, or, or dating, that was kind of obvious. Um, at various points and I even had one former semi-romantic relationship guy totally call me out on it. he's like totally called me selfish and I was like oh wow I just never knew right so when I met Rob and got to know him better and started dating him um, I I really had this great feeling and motivation to serve him and I had never felt that before I had never felt such a desire to put someone else first before me or to try to do things for someone else and or you know think of them over myself consistently you know and and so that was really that was really big for me um and I knew that if I could because previous relationships I knew that they wouldn't they weren't going to work out because I I couldn't see myself serving them and I knew relationship needed that um and so when I when I really discovered that I felt that so strongly for Rob I knew that I could stay with him for a long time and I knew it would be a successful a successful and really good thing. I mean, I saw in Sheena not just somebody that was simpatico in my belief system in terms of families and marriage and how important those things are, but more than that is that I saw someone whose strengths were things that I was so just in awe of. Her outgoing personality and her love of the outdoors and her love of scriptures and of God. And I just was so enamored with those things because those are things that I wasn't always the most familiar with in myself and so I was just so attracted to those aspects that uh, I really think that was a key part in me wanting to marry her and then you know in 
marriage has only gotten you only find more and more things that you love about your partner I wow i feel like i feel like i just got outdone <laughs> it's all right i'm gonna i'm gonna do this what about you honey what did you see in your partner that made you want to marry me I saw somebody who was incredibly supportive, who was incredibly driven, who had a lot of potential, who just needed to have somebody who was supporting them. I saw somebody who was very filled with love and who wanted desperately to be able to share that with the world but was incredibly introverted and so couldn't go anywhere with it because she was self-crippled with self-doubt and i saw somebody who had basically as it turns out enough faith for two people and was able to take a lot of the things that i had experienced and gone through over the years and start helping me to rearrange them into something more organized and structured Um, okay, let's see here. Let's do a fun one. How long do you two think you would last in a zombie apocalypse? <laughs> I mean, it depends. Are we talking like Dawn of the Dead classic zombies? Are we going like 28 days later, like full-on sprinter zombies? I'll, I'll let you pick, honey. What are we going for? Shamblers or... Because it matters. I mean, it matters. Which one do you think is going to be the most likely one, Rob? And how would you pre uh, prevent against it? <laughs> there you go. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> let's just go with classic Dawn of the Dead zombies. All right, the Shambler. And, you know, we've got, we've got, we, we have got enough food and water storage to last a couple of weeks if we were, like, locked in our basement of our house. But, you know, you have a kid, a little baby, an infant, so, so much... So much of your odds of survival in these situations, and it's something that gets looked over because I know you guys talk all about prepping and mm -hmm. homesteading. Information is so important, and knowing what things are coming before they happen or before they reach everybody else when it comes to potential catastrophe is vital. And I'm pretty locked into different things. I have a pretty good idea when there's major events that are coming. And um, you can't just listen to... I mean, there's always some doomsday report out there. You could live locked in your basement for the rest of your life. You can't do that either. So you have to be able to filter out what's... So, you know, I give us... If, if, we get, if we find out about it and can load up our food and water and get out of town, we could make it a while. Um, but Sheena and I have... Sheena and I have very different opinions on this. I definitely wouldn't take my chances locking myself in the basement of our house and hoping it blows over Shaun of the Dead style. So uh, we, we definitely try to get out of Dodge because our city's too big to, to stay here in a zombie situation. Sheena might be more of the let the whole family get bitten and turn it into zombies day one, hour, hour <laughs> one. To avoid living in a zombie uh, apocalypse. Yeah, scenario. I'm. I'm definitely like the. You know, if there's like a the the big earthquake. I'm, I'm stepping away from the zombies for a second, but like the big earthquake, right? And there's like a cataclysmic uh, a tsunami. Oh, I'm walking towards the tsunami mm -hmm. any day of the week. I don't want to live with like. No way. You kidding me? No. Just get me out of here. Yeah. Comet on Earth. <laughs> Sheena's putting a Absolutely. launcher on the roof and front row seat. Front row seat. All right. 
take me out of here, God. I don't want to live with the disaster afterwards. <laughs> oh dear. All right, honey, what would you give ours? What, what we, do you think? We have a terrible chance of survival regardless of what the zombies are, whether they're shamblers <laughs> or sprinters or whatever, because you will get nervous and then start laughing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And at that point, we're done. Hmm. I mean, to be fair, we do have a lot of contingency plans depending on which type of survival situation we're in. Um, but of course, my goal is to try and preserve mom and dad for as long as possible, despite mom's determination to feed the entire world. Like, we were talking about this a few months ago, and she goes, oh yeah, no, I would feed the neighbors. I'm like, no, you wouldn't. No. The neighbors can fend for themselves. Thank you very much. <laughs> Um, you have three wishes. What are they? Who wants to go first? I'm assuming you can't do the whole I wish for more wishes. No, thing. no, I wishing for more wishes. That's a tough one because I mean, three wishes. No, it's a lot easier than you think. I mean, I don't want to be cliche though and go like, you know, I wish for a billion dollars. I want to be. I want a hundred billion dollars. That's that's cliche. That's just too easy. What you do is you sit there and you say, "I wish I knew exactly what I wanted with two wishes." <laughs> and I know for sure. Let's see. I wish my toddler would sleep through the night for like a week straight. That's that's a that's <laughs> an absolute wish. Yes. Uh, second wish. I mean, I think I'd wish for UFOs. Does that count? Could we have a UFO mm. alien invasion? That's like high on my bucket list to see. I wish for all of the nighttime radio stuff to be true. <laughs> I I could do without that one. Thank you. I mean, seriously, you. I think when you have a kid, it's like all my thoughts turn to like, you know, I wish Cooper lives his life without any major health problems. But then it's like, do you really wish that? Because there's life experiences you gain from having health problems. Yeah. So maybe it's easier to just wish for a billion dollars. Uh, with inflation, a billion dollars doesn't get you much nowadays. Might as well make it a trillion. Uh, that's true. <laughs> a billion in crypto. What is your favorite holiday as a family and why? Uh, I'm going to go with a traditional holiday uh, context. I really like 4th of July um, because we every year we go down to our parents' house, uh, our parents' town, and spend time with family, and there's a nice the community puts on a great fireworks show, and it's just fun to be down there with all the community and spending time and having fun, and it's usually nice weather, and uh, I am a bit of a pyro, so I do enjoy ha be having uh, it, uh, a, usually being allowed to play with fireworks. But uh, yeah, I would say I would say Fourth of July. Plus, it's fun to wear like red, white, and blue in different colors and combinations. And I like fun outfits, so I'd, yeah. Christmas. It's not even close. Christmas. It's not yeah. Yeah, just for numerous and sundry reasons. Christmas it's me is the in best. All the right feels. I'm a big Christmas person. I think that comes from how we were raised. Dad was way big into Christmas. What about you, honey? I don't know. I don't think I have a favorite. Whichever one has the best food that year. Fourth of July. Fourth of July. You're an American now. Whichever one, if I'm working, I'm getting paid holiday pay for. Yeah. And if I'm not working, we have the best food that I don't have to do anything to have. <laughs> I think that's fair. I, I think you've had to work 
almost every major holiday for the last four years. So, we Okay, serious question. What legacy do you want to leave your family? Which right now is the very adorable Cooper. My very, very big book of grievances. <laughs> Actually, going on that thread, that would be the opposite of that. I just... I just don't want him, I don't want my family to hold grudges or be easily offended or, you know, I, I want them to see, to try and assume the best in people and their actions and intentions. And when it's obvious that other people maybe aren't having the best intentions, to just shrug it off and, and move on. You know, I, I'm fortunate that I have a very short attention span and memory. <laughs> And so I don't hold grudges very easily. And it's, it's a huge blessing in my life. I can teach you. you. Thank you. I'll keep that in mind. We can have a, a little in-law session later. But no, I just I just hope that he can he can have that in his life. Because life is too short to just to have, have those those bitter feelings. Or, you know, with especially within like a, a community, uh, like a, a church community. Or, you know, anytime there's a, like a kind of a smaller community, there's, there's already limited people. And so why limit yourself even more in your interactions by having those bad feelings? I mean... It's interesting, right? Because legacy in a traditional sense is you're a gift. I think if you look up like the word, the meaning of like legacy, mm -hmm. it's likely to be related to a monetary gift of some type that you're leaving behind. Um, and obviously in that aspect, there's stuff you always want to have for your kids, whether that's at education or help with a house or, but you know, obviously we take it beyond that mm -hmm. and I want my son to know that his mom and dad love him and I want to instill in him a sense of a desire to hopefully want to be closer to his father in heaven. I want to leave a legacy that's related to the eternal nature of families and hopefully going along with that, a desire to protect people and help people. We need more protectors and defenders in our world and I'm, I hope that he can want to be that too what is the best piece of marriage advice you guys ever got what is the worst and what advice for other married couples do you have we had a bishop in our ward when we were before we got married and he talked to both of us just a little bit about what he thought was a big blessing before he got married and he part imparted that onto us and that's basically how women and men look at the world differently and mm -hmm. how women oftentimes you know if you have a room full of boxes women can focus on all the boxes at the same time and so they might have something going on in this box here and something else going on in this box over here and something else going on in that box over there but they can remember and focus on all of the boxes all of all the time but a guy we focus on one box at a time and so we're task oriented and that's been very true in our marriage and i have to remind myself of that because if sheena needs something done and i go say okay well I'll, i'm gonna do that later i'm gonna go read a book right now well i'm gonna be focused on this book task and completely forget about what it was that she asked me to do mm -hmm. because <laughs> i'm not gonna remember the box Mm -hmm. and so <laughs> that's been very useful in life to be like okay well let me go do what she asked first so i'm not forgetting about the the important box and while i'm focusing on a less important 
aspect of my day. That is actually great. A great analogy. Makes actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm grateful for the reminder. Thanks, Rob. I sometimes I forget that. <laughs> The, the differences. So the best advice I got was uh, it said don't drink the last of the milk and uh, although it's a very specific example it kind of couched in that advice was again back to the small things like make sure you're doing the small things to serve your spouse and be selfless right save the last of the milk for your spouse or or whatever that translates to in whatever situation you're in is you know um, and that really has been a good reminder to me throughout the years to small things can matter if you, in both directions, right? Small things can build and be bad or small things can build and be really good. So if you're doing the small things to serve your spouse, that goes a long way to supporting a healthy, supporting and creating a healthy relationship and home. Uh, worst advice, I almost feel bad bringing it up because I, honestly don't know what the person was talking about but it was at our wedding reception and for those that weren't there Sheena's family knows everybody <laughs> in this town that we had our reception at and we had a wedding line which meant we shook hands with everybody who came like 300 mm -hmm. people and <laughs> it was awesome so a lot of them said lots of different things and one very nice guy who I love very much spent a few minutes talking to me about Adam and Eve and some analogy between Adam and Eve and marriage and bless his heart I I don't know what he was talking <laughs> about so that qualifies oh for me as, uh, as worst, worst advice okay okay that's fair uh, that's pretty weak I don't know that's pretty weak you didn't even know what his advice was, so how could it be bad? That's that's how bad it was. <laughs> it, it was multiple minutes of me listening, and I still don't. Plus, know it was like about. he was probably number like two hundred and eighty-seven, so we were we were pretty dead at that point. Yeah. No, uh, my worst advice it was already already pretty much brought up was the you know don't let your the sun go down on your anger just because mm -hmm. it's it's not it's, for some people it's true but not for everyone it, it can be. You just gotta be mm -hmm. careful with that. What piece of advice do you have for married couples, Sheena? Um Oh, I'm gonna interrupt real quick. Just to say I I have a I have a not hatred in my heart, but I hate the analogy that marriage is fifty fifty and all things. Oh, don't take mine. <laughs> that is just That is absolutely I hate that one. That is a is, terrible it piece is of advice. Terrible advice. Marriage is not 50-50 in all things. I agree completely. It's give and take and love and sacrifice in yes. all things. And that doesn't always equate to, well, we're going to do the dishes 50% of the time and you're mm -hmm. doing the dishes 50% of the time. And, oh, I, I've done it more than 50% of the time. So I'm not doing it till you do yep. it an equal yep. amount. Oh, that's <laughs> why you didn't do the dishes yesterday. Oh, it's all coming clear. <laughs> Yeah, I actually, I think that's a really important one because that was something that my mother-in-law actually tried to hammer home very heavily when we were first together was, you know, 50-50, 50-50. And no, it's absolutely not 50-50 because no two people come into a marriage at exactly, they don't come in exactly the same with exactly the same strengths and weaknesses. 
it's meeting in the middle, whatever the middle happens to be yeah, for the be two of you. Nine and ten on a particular and, subject, or yeah, right. And so for us, especially before my surgery, when my pain was so high and uh, my weight was so high, Craig did so many things around the house because I simply didn't have the energy and I hurt too much to do them. And I don't know what I would have done if he had sat there and said, no, I'm not going to do this. I've done the dishes, you know, this many times. And there's, there's things where like I don't like to take out the trash and so I will say to him you need to take the trash out that's a man's job and so he'll give me a little bit of a hard time about it but when it comes right down to it if it's the weekend and the trash can is full and I need it emptied I'm going to take out the trash because there's no such thing as men's jobs and women's jobs and 50-50 and I took the trash out last night so now it's your turn to take the trash out tonight marriage is a meeting in the middle and filling in each other's weaknesses with your strengths. Best advice I got happy wife, happy life. That's what Rob always <laughs> says. And the worst advice the worst advice I got if you want to know what a woman wants, just ask her. <laughs> no. You will never find out what a woman wants by asking her. Ask her what she hates and narrow it down from there because women know what they don't that's, like. That's that's a very valid point, actually. It's like, what do you want to eat know. tonight? <laughs> I don't know. Do you want pizza? No. Chinese food? No. Mexican food? No. I don't know what I want. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yep. That's, that's how we get to decisions here. <laughs> Okay, so advice to impart into. If I had to give advice, okay. First, we've talked about it a lot, but don't make mountains out of molehills in your marriage. Mm -hmm. It's. Especially, it, you know, you can do it when you're not realizing it, too. And uh, especially if you're married to someone who's quieter or isn't as confrontational, you might not realize how much you're putting on them. Um,. And the expectation level that you're leaving on them each day, just with hammering little tiny Sorry, things all honey. the time. So <laughs> don't put that pressure on people. So that's the first thing. Second, there's a there's a story, and you guys probably heard it before, but it's about a husband and wife. And every year, every night, for their entire marriage, they've been married 20, 20 something years they'd have a piece of bread with peanut butter as just their thing. So the husband would always go and he'd, uh, you know, get the bread and peanut butter and make the single slice for each of them and bring it to his wife. And never failed. The 
beginning of the bag of bread and the end of the bag of bread, he'd always give her the heel. And for 20 years of marriage, he always gave her the heel of bread. And finally, after 20 years, she's like, what is your issue, dude? Why do you always give me the heel of bread? It's the worst part of the loaf. And you continually do it over and over and over again. And to her surprise, he looked completely shocked that she brought it up. And he said, honey, the heel's my favorite part of the bread loaf. For 20 years, I thought I was giving you my favorite part of the bread loaf because of how much I love you. And that's how important communication is. Yes. How did she let that build up for 20 years? Where if she had brought it up day one, he would have been able yeah, to explain see, she was trying, how she was trying to keep small things small. So it's hard to know. Exactly. Hard to know what to bring up. <laughs> and so that's where you make small things small by bringing things up in a way that's not meant to immediately want to change somebody or immediately cause controversy. Because you can't let it build up like that. I mean, that's just not going to work. One of our favorite episodes, and I'm going to date myself a little bit by saying this, but one of our absolute favorite episodes of the Cosby Show touches on that same same theme. Not making mountains out of molehills and communication. Because the whole episode is the youngest, newest couple in a fight over a miscommunication. And the oldest couple, the grandparents, in a fight over a molehill that they have allowed to fester essentially for 50 years. And in the meantime, the middle ground couple, Claire and, um, oh gosh, I've forgotten his name. Claire and Cliff. Yep. Thank you. They, they're doing just fine because the whole time all Cliff does is avoid arguments and picking sides by talking about how good his barbecue tastes. And it's, it's a great episode. It, absolutely kills us every time we watch it because it is such an apt analogy for both of those things. I think I think that's everything. Well, I've got some advice if you want. Here, go ahead. I have four pieces of advice. If you see something, say something. Don't be afraid to ask. Sure, don't tell. And don't do drugs. So, if you see something, say something. Don't let it fester like we've already been talking about. Don't be afraid to ask. If you don't know something, if you're trying to take a guess, unless you're doing it as a surprise, ask the person so that you can get an idea of what their thought process is rather than making assumptions. Mm-hmm. Show don't tell. Very easy to say that you love somebody, but taking the time out to go and do all of the little things to prove that you do it is sometimes a lot more significant. And don't do drugs. If you're not enjoying something the way that it is, sitting there and trying to augment it by adding something else to the situation is probably not going to make you like it. Mm. You know, Craig, I don't true. think I, I don't think I give you enough great. credit half the time. Thank you. Those were those were actually very good for for uh, for tips of advice. Yeah, there's a reason I've stuck yeah, with him for ten right. years. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I was just going to say, um, just remember that your spouse was not raised in the same house that you were, uh, for good mm-hmm. or ill, right? Depending on whatever it, you know, I mean, for, it could be for, you know, maybe they weren't raised with uh, some of the good qualities that you were raised with, or maybe they weren't raised with some of the bad qualities you were raised with, right? So so just, um, just remembering that you're two very 
different people coming from often very different situations and um, to be gracious and to be grateful in those different situations. I know, I know sometimes uh, like my family was very sarcastic and uh, um, usually it's like good humored sarcasm, not, not usually biting sarcasm, but it's, 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 it's very sarcastic and, and it's, it's sometimes hard to know is someone being sarcastic or are they like for real? Like, I don't know. Right. Uh, and so often a lot, quite a few times I've, I've, uh, taken, maybe offense is the wrong word too strong, but, but I've, I've taken offense at something Rob said because I assumed that he was being sarcastic or mocking and he's like, I, why? Why would you assume that? I have never been sarcastic like in our entire relationship. Like I know, I just—it's hard to break that assumption, you know. Uh, but uh, uh, so yeah, just assuming or not. Sorry, just remembering that your your spouse is not raised how you were raised in a lot of ways. Anything else anyone wants to add? No, thanks for having us on. That was fun. Yeah, thanks you guys for joining me. I really appreciate it. Until next time, we love you and we wish you the best. Thank you for joining us today. I love sharing with you and I hope that you feel comfortable sharing with me too. Please, please feel free to get in touch with us and let us know if there's any topics you'd like us to cover. You can leave us a comment or you can send us an email at pilgrimfeet at ourpilgrimfeet.com. I'm Katie Sutton-Smith and I want to say thank you for joining us today on the Pilgrim Feet Podcast. Please sign up for our newsletter and come back next week for more.